Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Craig. And we are your hosts as we talk all things church, life, theology, faith, and beyond. Welcome to episode five of the Ross Road Connect podcast. My name is Holly and I'm here with my co-host Craig. How are you doing today, Craig? Wonderful. How are you? Wonderful. Wow. I'm uh, I'm good. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, can't complain. Nice. I'm standing on the brink of a week's vacation, so I'm oh, really yeah. looking forward to that. So that is really nice. Lots to sometimes, do before I can go on vacation, yeah. but you know, that's okay. Yeah. But sometimes that's hard because when you're close to your vacation, it can be easy to like already get into vacation mode, but then you do have so many things to do. So it's a yeah. hard couple of days before. I've experienced that before, but there's literally so many things I have to do before then that I cannot afford to, to kind of coast into vacation. So, yeah, but man, yeah, I'm, you know, I am feeling so much for everyone on our staff right now because everybody is in such a busy time and uh, I am so not busy, like with work right now, my, okay. My busy time with youth ministry, you know, this, oh, yeah. it's like January to March there's yeah. no chill like and a little bit of december like there's events going on there but yeah january to march there's no chill april to may are kind of relaxed june to like the end of september mm. no chill yeah. and then october november so i have october november and april may during the year where i kind of get to relax a bit and so yeah i'm just uh i'm just chilling right like obviously there's still you still do a full week of work but yeah, of like it's there's just there's not as much like high pressure situations yeah. happening um so but everybody else is so busy right now i'm just kind of yeah. relaxing <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's good prep time if if it you, is if you can because you yeah, yeah once january hits it it's like no weekends free like your stuff it's every true. weekend yeah it that's literally how it is yeah so i'm definitely i'm taking this time to like really lean into our high school retreat which happens in february so yeah getting a lot of work on that already so yeah. nice i'm excited for it yeah yeah. For sure. Yeah. Those are good times and, uh, not only good times, but significant spiritual times like yeah. that's like getting kids away from their normal routine. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that's where some of the spiritual depth can, can occur. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, do, is it possible now to do this anymore? We tried this once or twice, um, but a different era, even though it was only you know, six or seven years ago. Oh, totally different era. Yeah. <laughs> Where we took, we, there was no phones allowed on the youth oh. retreat. Is the, can you do that anymore? Or would like kids have like a breakdown? You know what? I, I don't ever really put it as a rule, but kids don't really like, I mean, they bring them, but they're not ever on them during times that it like bothers me. Like if anything, like they would look at it like before they go to sleep or like, I don't know, things like that. But they're never like if we have like free time and stuff too, like the kids aren't really on them. And if we're doing sessions and stuff like that's the one thing we say is like, just don't use your phone during the session. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, they're never like we have so much of that weekend for free time and they're always engaged with each other and like playing games and like interacting with one another. Mm -hmm. So it's never really been something that I've had to implement, I guess. Okay. But I, sometimes I would appreciate like if we went to camp Squia with like the leaders weekend and we just wouldn't have service. Like I kind of would like it because it was like, Oh, okay. I don't have to worry about right. the outside world. And I kind of just get to 
be present here, but um, I get service there now, but uh, yeah, there is improved. some, there is something I know. Right. <laughs> but yeah, there is something so valuable about just like, yeah, turning it off for yeah. like a weekend. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to interview Brian Bourne here in just a mm-hmm. moment. And uh, Brian is awesome. Uh, you mm-hmm. described our conversation as he's got a, what were the words you used? Like a calming presence. A calming, comforting, warm presence. Safe almost. Safe. Yeah. 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 So uh, some of you listening will know Brian. Uh, he's the, he is the president of Columbia Bible College here in Abbotsford. Uh, was a part of Ross Road. And um so uh, good insight from him. One deep thought to show, to share before something I ran across this week and I think connects with where we're going with Brian was I was reading an article um, about leadership in the pandemic. And the thought was this, are you relying more on wisdom than you're trusting God? Mm-hmm. And I thought I've never really connected those two ideas. He asked the question then in the opposite way, are you trusting God so much you're you're abandoning wisdom. Mm. <laughs> like both of these things are necessary, but I thought yeah. to myself, Oh, in an era of uncertainty, I'm praying a lot for wisdom, but sometimes I'm doing so at the expense of trusting God is going to provide what's needed in the moment. Mm. And, um, that was a good thought for me. Did you say that in your sermon this weekend too? No, I think or I might've said somewhere? it at staff meeting last week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds familiar. Cause I, I know I've heard you say this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. And it kind of reminds me of something that I've been kind of saying to myself in the last year or so. And I mean, this has to do with anxiety, so it's a bit different, but mm-hmm. on that same level is like, you can't reason your way out of anxiety. And that's something that I've like really had to think of. Cause sometimes when you're in a high anxiety situation, you can kind of start to like rationalize and be like, Oh, okay. But like, I mean, if this goes wrong, then like, blah, blah, blah. Like mm-hmm. you think out all the situations in depth, yeah. but it's almost like at some point you just have to say like, I can't reason my way out of this. Like yeah. I can't fully like flesh out every possible situation and say, it's going to be okay. And similarly with like, yeah, wisdom and trusting God. It's like, I can't fully flesh out everything and just figure out all the answers all the mm-hmm. time. You yeah. have to, at some point, yeah, just put that trust in God. Mm-hmm. But it, it's good to flip that around too and not just ignore wisdom altogether. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting point. Yeah, we need both. And yeah, um, yeah we might default to one over the other and yeah. we might be missing out that way. So so anyways, we're going to, we're going to, when we talk about Brian, when we talk with Brian, we'll talk about some of uh, some related ideas. And uh, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brian Bourne. Well, Brian Bourne, welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And uh, we've known each other a long time. And so it's great to get your perspective on the podcast today. Uh, Tell us a little bit, first of all, about your family. I know some people who are listening will know your family because you were at Ross Road for a time, but others will not know you from a hole in the ground. So tell us a bit about your family. Sure. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Teresa, for the past 38 years, and we have three adult children. 
uh, all of whom are married and all of whom also have children. So we now have six grandchildren and hopefully a seventh soon. Uh, our son, who's our oldest, Ben, and his wife, Caitlin, are in Seoul, Korea right now. And they are trying to adopt their second mm. child. They've Exciting. already adopted a, an amazing little girl from Japan named Penelope. And uh, yeah, and then we have two daughters, uh, Katie, uh, who has her and her husband have two children. And uh, then our youngest, Emily, and her husband, Cam, they've got three boys uh, as well. So that's the family. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it. Um, tell us a bit about your kind of past ministry experience and as well about your time at Ross Road. Sure. Wow. This could be a long story, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah when we think of ministry experience, I, I've kind of had um, four, I guess I'm in my kind of my fourth career now, but all related in ministry. And so in my 20s, I uh, served in two different churches as a youth and young adults pastor uh, for three years down in uh, California and Fresno while I was in seminary, and then three years full-time up in Fort St. John. And then uh, when I was 30, we moved to Botswana, Africa, where we served in a theological training kind of mission mission role as well as working with churches that were planting churches and discipling um and then we also got very involved in hiv aids uh related ministry there um from 1992 to 2004 so that was kind of the the second chapter of ministry in my life and in our lives and that's one thing i'd definitely say it's not just um it's very much been a team ministry throughout our, our married life. Um, and then we came back in 2004 and I moved into a, a role as a professor and, and the program director for intercultural studies or a missions program here at Columbia Bible College. And Teresa then started to work for MB Mission or what's now known as Multiply in, uh, in a member care role, kind of an HR role uh, with the missionaries there at that time. And I did that for, I was a prof for here at the college for uh, about eight, eight and a half years, and then moved into the role of president right at the end of 2012. And I've been serving in that role since that particular time. When, uh, yeah, our involvement in at, uh, at Ross Road has, has also been uh, kind of interesting. So I went to, to East Aldergrove, mm-hmm. uh, Mennonite Brethren Church in the 60s. Uh, as a kid, I went to Sunday school here. Our family was attending the church uh, when we were living in Mount Lehman. And then in 1970, we moved to, uh, to Matsqui. And so we changed churches. We went to Matsqui MB and then eventually Central Heights at that time. And then while we were uh, serving in Botswana, in Africa, um, Ross Road was one of our supporting churches. So we would regularly come back. And uh, and I don't know if the church still has the parish, but we actually mm-hmm. lived yep. in the house right next door to the church there yep. uh, during one of our, our uh, what we called ministry in North America or kind of furlough um, in 2001. 
So we lived in that house for four months. Mm -hmm. And then when we came back in 04, uh, we, we established uh, Ross Road as our home church at that time uh, for our, our kids. And in fact, our son, Ben, had come back earlier than the rest of the family, and he was part of the youth group. And so he drew uh, all of us <laughs> to Ross Road. And we had some great years here uh, or at Ross Road, I think. And I'm trying to remember exactly until when. And uh, I should know this, but um, I'll just say when when the, uh, the church at, at High Street, there was church plant that was going on there. And, and we felt led at that time to try and help out there a bit. Mm -hmm. And so we made the move over to uh, to City Life at that time. And uh, unfortunately, that, that church didn't have a long lifespan. And, and since we moved over to the east side of Abbotsford, uh, we decided to, to connect back to Central Heights, where I was actually baptized way back in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great time at Ross Road. We served, uh, I served on the elders board for a period of time and, uh, and served, got to preach church a number of times and did some teaching there. And and uh, it's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just even sitting with you two today, it's always encouraging to me. I'm going, not that you're that young or anything like that. And I don't <laughs> well. certainly want, don't want to, um, you know, it just, it's encouraging to see the, the strong young leadership that is emerging in the church. And, and I think bodes well for the future. Mm. Oh, thanks, Brian. What, I appreciate uh, being, I appreciate being called young, you know, getting, <laughs> going to be turning 27 soon. Okay. So, you know, there you are. <laughs> oh, starting gets, to worry. Yeah. She gets more and more nervous every year, closer to 30. Exactly. So. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you remember about Ross Road in the sixties, Brian? Um, Mrs. Schmidt. Uh, she, she was my Sunday school teacher and, uh, I don't really recall the moment very well, but I, I think she helped me to pray to receive Jesus into my heart. Mm, and I was cool. probably about six years old. And, uh, that's, I, honestly, I just remember love, mm. you know, mm. Christmas pageants, getting the can bags of candy with the, uh, Japanese oranges kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, just everybody was, yeah, I, I any memory that I have from, from East Alder Grove church was positive. Mm -hmm. It was just, there were all these great people. Yeah. So, and, uh, and the building would be totally unlike what's here now at that point. Uh, yeah. Except, uh, well, you guys are doing a pretty major renovation now, right? Or it's something coming I, up. I, I should yeah. actually take another drive <laughs> by there. I, I think the old, that, that one wing there might've been there at the time, but I'm not yeah. even sure about that. The, uh, well, I think the fireside wings 50 years old. So it would have been, uh, maybe somewhere late sixties, early seventies, somewhere in there probably. Okay. Yeah. 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 Anyways. But, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, I want to, uh, I want to get to one of the things I really want to talk about with you is leadership and the pandemic and how that's been for you and, and what you've awesome. learned. It's tremendous. Yes. We all <laughs> love talking about it. Right. Um, but let's go back uh, before that. What, what was the call to Botswana like for you and Teresa? 
Um, you know, that, that could be, <laughs> I've often, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm sure I've, I've told this story to students and it's usually takes up about a class actually <laughs> lots of lessons about how does God call us and, and all of those kind of pieces. Um, I would say there are a variety of different aspects to it. Both Teresa and I are incredibly blessed to have had strong Christian families. And that's not even just our parents, but our aunts and uncles, our grandparents, all of those kind of pieces. So on both sides, uh, for both myself and for Teresa, um, we had aunts and uncles who were involved in cross-cultural missions. So this wasn't something strange to us. And, and, and our parents were supportive, both in prayer and finances, uh, as well as people, you know, just they'd be in our homes, right? <laughs> you know, mm. they'd come for dinners or stay overnight. Uh, I was actually just talking with my parents the other day. You might've heard the name Don Richardson. He, he wrote a couple of pretty influential books, Peace Child, uh, kind of thing where some of the older listeners might, might recall Don Richardson. And at one point he was in Abbotsford and my parents just the other day, we were talking about this and they're going like, yeah, he took our car for a week. And mm. you know, that, that was just normal. So the whole concept of missions was, um, and there's maybe, you know, sometimes we talk about putting missionaries on a pedestal, maybe some of that happened, but at least it was, that's a, it was very positively portrayed. Um, I went through a tough time uh, in terms of my faith through my teens, but coming uh, out at the other end, uh, I, I recommitted my life to the Lord. And it was during a missions conference, actually, that I, um, committed myself to going wherever God wanted me go to go and doing whatever he wanted me to do. And, uh, and Therese was in a similar place. We met during Bible school and, uh, and over a course of a period of time, we sensed a call to be involved in a kind of discipling ministry and in Africa in particular. And, and there's, it's kind of a long story as mm -hmm. to, uh, so I'm not going to go into it as to, how that all happened. Some of that was through people. Some of it was through some of the reading that we did. Uh, in particular, looking at going to Botswana and working with African initiated, initiated or African independent churches. Uh, there was a paper I wrote while I was in seminary that uh, really introduced me to that whole world and got me excited about that possibility. And then while we were serving as a youth pastor couple in Fort St. John, um, I, uh, a missionary working with indigenous people here in Northern British Columbia mm -hmm. gave me a book and, uh, and I'll try and tell the story really quick, but <laughs> the way it goes is this is in this book, this guy was early in the 1970s looking at going to serve in either uh, Czechoslovakia or Cambodia. And, uh, and he, he wasn't sure where he was supposed to go. And he, so he said to God, God, I need to know tomorrow. Give me a sign. Next day, National Geographic arrives. He's got a subscription. It's all about Cambodia. He goes, boom, that's it. I'm going to <laughs> Cambodia. And, and if you know anything about what was going on in Cambodia in the early 70s, Vietnam War, not the place most people would have chosen to go. He had a really remarkable ministry there. Uh, Teresa and I at that time already were aware of this opportunity in Botswana. We were praying about whether we were going to go there or not. And uh, so I was reading this book and I said to Teresa, um, you know, really, do you think God works this way? You know, that he's he's going to, you know, tap the editors of National Geographic on the shoulder and say, hey, you guys should do this or whatever. So we, we kind of laughed about it a bit, actually. And um, 
went on, you know, prayed together that night. And, and it wasn't the next day, actually. It was the very next day, the, two days later, that the December 1990 issue of National Geographic arrived at our house because we had a subscription. And it's all on Botswana. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I sometimes jokingly tell students that the reason we ended up in Botswana is because God called us through National Geographic. Right. And that's how it happens. And um, <laughs> there were lots of other, you know, parents and and even the elders in our church were involved in that conversation um but you know when when god does things in a variety of different ways i think we should be paying attention and uh doesn't mean necessarily when you know some things are random something god some things you know god is actually at work in and, and we should be listening to the spirit so yeah, it, it led to 12 years and I can't, uh, it was 12 phenomenal years. I look back at it. Um, amazing ministry in a lot of ways, uh, difficult times, buried a lot of people there. As I mentioned, mm -hmm. we were involved in HIV AIDS ministry. Um, I, you know, that's, I'm, I've said to people, I'm, I'm in my second pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've experienced, you know, yeah. we experienced a different pandemic when we were there and, uh, and buried a lot of children, uh, mm -hmm. teenagers, young adults. Um, that's who we primarily were, were seeing die in that particular circumstance. Um, yeah, very different pandemic, but, um, in some ways I feel even looking back on it, I think maybe helped prepare me for this one too. Hmm. Wow. So now what do you feel like you've learned, uh, or a leadership lesson you've learned in the COVID pandemic? Yeah, interesting. You asked me that question, Holly. Um, it'd be great to hear from you both what you've learned. But um, I, I, since I had a chance to <laughs> prepare myself a little before this conversation, <laughs> I, I really was thinking about this. Um, I, I don't know that I would say I've learned a lot of new lessons. Mm. What I would say is that some of the lessons I knew before previously have been reinforced. And, um, and the longer go this goes on, uh, the more that's the case. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples on that side. Um, you know, I, I think many of us who are in leadership want people to like us <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and and we want um we want people to be unified and we want people to be together and um and, and we'll do a lot and sacrifice a lot in a lot of cases to make those things happen and um you know, as, as I've been involved in leadership here in the last 20 months or so of the pandemic, I, I think I've become more and more um, comfortable with simply doing the best that I can, uh, you know, praying, leaving it in God's hands, maybe not worrying quite as much about whether or not everybody likes me, mm -hmm. Um as long as when I go home at night that my wife still does, mm. that my children do. And fortunately, 
my grandchildren at an age where basically I can't do anything wrong. So if I'm feeling bad about myself, I just go and visit my grandkids because they think I'm awesome. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I would just say that that aspect of of being able to to leave certain things and and not um yeah, not get so bent out of shape about every kind of situation. Um, you know, a term that I was well aware of in the past, they talk about non-anxious, non-anxious leadership. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes our leaders operate, and, and I do too, out of, out of stress or anxiety or fear. And, uh, and that, you know, whether you say that or even do it consciously, people that are following pick that up and it, and it leads us, it doesn't lead us to good places. And, and so I, I've tried to, um, I actually spend more time in the mornings uh, than I did pre-pandemic in prayer, spending time in the word, um, just meditation and reflection. So that when I arrive at the college and I start connecting with people, I'm in a good place, you know, I'm, no matter what the problems are, you know, whatever is going to come that day, because there's so many throughout the pandemic, there's been so many twists and turns and uncertainties and, you know, angry people and all kinds of things to deal with. And, and I just need to be in that place where I'm walking with Jesus and, mm. and I want to be in that place. So that's, that's been a key lesson. Uh, I would say another lesson that's been really important to me is um, to try and listen more and better, um, not to be quick to speak, but especially, like I say, I mean, I, I certainly come into contact with lots of folks who haven't appreciated the decisions that, that I or our leadership team have made. Um, yeah, all kinds of situations where there, there's the potential for conflict for at least for disagreement on that side. And, and I've tried to take the position of just step back and listen, hear what people's concerns are. What are the questions that they're asking? Um, and and not uh, immediately go on the defensive or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's partially age and and some of these other things. But I am I am finding myself um, just having a, a a greater level of faith that that Jesus is with us, that God is in control that um yeah getting angry or stressed out it actually isn't going to help anything mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting you talk about um the people pleasing thing because you know, we've all heard the saying you can't please everybody um, <laughs> but there's been no scenario like this one where it's really come home i think 100 percent. yeah and there is something to be said about making the best decision you can yeah. And then going home. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I would say one other lesson that has really been driven home too. And, and I, I am really blessed here to work with a phenomenal leadership team at the college. And, uh, 
certainly the, I, I thought they were great before the pandemic. Now I think they're absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Each one of them in terms of their wisdom, their skill set, uh, their relational capacities, all of those pieces. And, and I just think it's really important to have lots of communication with the leadership team and, and to support one another in the midst of that um, and just be unified because again, you're not going to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do, how do we then um, support each other in the midst of that? Because it's mm-hmm. I, it, I'm not going to say it's easy to take. I mean, I, I've taken. <laughs> I'm not going to give any examples, but I've, I have taken some very harsh just, uh, criticism yeah. because of decisions that we've we've had to make here at the college, and um, that's unfortunate. But it is what it is, you know. And and Jesus still loves me, so that's good. And like I said, my wife does too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, do you have any other thoughts? Have you used the word uncertainty? And of course, this whole year and a half has been defined by uncertainty. Um, is there anything else that you've picked up along the way that's helped you either in your leadership or just in your own personal life? Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And I'll go back to my comments earlier about, um, having lived through a, a different pandemic pandemic or experienced it, um, back in the nineties, uh, when this was taking place in, in Botswana around HIV AIDS, um, there was a lot of time. There was a lot of talk at that point that AIDS was was a curse sent by God, especially in the African context, where it's really common language. And um, and there was a booklet that came out that um, asked the question, you know, AIDS, and I think it was title was like AIDS crisis, or actually it might have even been curse or opportunity. Mm. And, um, and I've often thought about that and, and I certainly thought about it at that particular point in time. The author's point was this was an, this was an incredible opportunity for the church to be the church. And um, as I think about this particular pandemic, I, I still believe that to be the truth. And I, and I think we are living in a time of, of tremendous opportunity um, if we can see it. Mm. Um, it will require us to change. I think it's requiring us here at Columbia to change. I think it's going to require our churches to change. I think it's going to require our um, us as Christians in our culture to change because we're becoming increasingly aware of the fact that Christianity is clearly not a majority position within our culture. Uh, we live in a post-Christian culture, and the sooner we understand that reality, the better off we'll be. I think we're actually coming into a position where we can read the New Testament far better than we could have 50 years ago, because our um, our cultural, our place within the culture is actually moving towards becoming more like it was in the New Testament. And, and I don't want to overstate that either. It's not like anybody's being forced uh, to go to the Colosseum and, and, and fight lions or anything else like that. But there, there certainly is an increasing level of opposition. Um, you know, we certainly see it at the college where, you know, for students to make the decision to come to Bible college, that's a cross-cultural mm. decision to make. Um, it's going to, the people that they're working with, it, it raises all kinds of questions in their minds, like, mm-hmm. why would you ever do that? Um 
don't you know what those people are like and, mm -hmm. and all of those kind of things. So, I, you know, getting back to your question, Craig, I'm, I'm kind of wandering around here, but I, I, I see this as a, actually a, a tremendous opportunity, but it will, will require us to change. And, um, and that's hard, you know, and I think especially depending on our personality and our experiences, you know, having, lived and, and done a number of different things in, in different countries as well as continents. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I kind of like change. Mm -hmm. I, I recognize for a lot of people, that's not the way they feel. And so that's where I think it's listening is really important, but let's, let's look for the opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, you know, I know even with our neighbors, we found during the pandemic, uh, we've had some actually really interesting conversations around faith, uh, life, um, you know, family, all of these kind of different pieces. But I, I do feel like too much of the time in the church, we've been focusing on COVID and not Christ. And, and, and we've, we've got to turn our eyes. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and listen to what it is that Jesus is calling us to do and to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned uh, a little bit ago that you've had to make some tough decisions uh, with your work at CBC. So how did COVID change like the way the school had to operate and what challenges and opportunities have come from that? Yeah, I mean, it's really been interesting because I, I look at, you know, there's, 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 you know, we talked pre-COVID and, and then during the pandemic, and then we talked pre-vaccinations mm -hmm. and post-vaccinations and everything else. So if I go back to 2020, which seems like a long time ago, <laughs> um, you know, there was, everybody was pivoting. That's the great word, right? You know, we had, we should just have a vocabulary, pivot, Yeah. you know, <laughs> unprecedented, all these yes. kind of words. <laughs> yeah. COVID word, words words that will throw away once COVID yeah. over. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it's so awesome when we do Decision that. Decision fatigue. Yeah. That's a yeah, big one. Exactly, right? Um, but so going back to 2020, we, we you know, all these post-secondary educational institutions in particular, it was like, well, we're going to go to remote learning. We're going to go to online. We're going to do all of those things. And, and we said, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're actually going to meet in person. Um, and, and that's going to create uh, about a billion different decisions that we have to make because, mm -hmm. you know, we had the physical distancing. So now we couldn't have as many students in a classroom. So we had to start using the chapel and other kind of spaces for classes. Uh, you know, are we going to wear masks? Are not we going to wear masks? Um, you know, what size groups can meet for this and that and everything else. But we did it last year. We met in person. Uh, and, and it, and by and large went really well until unfortunately the very end mm -hmm. when we ended up having a, uh, a COVID outbreak in mid April, which forced us to, to shut things down a little earlier than we had hoped. At the same time, as we were meeting in person, we also put, uh, we were, you know, we were kind of joking around before, I think even before we started today about technology. And so we moved to, to a new uh, platform called MS Teams, which allowed uh, people to access the classes remotely. 
And, uh, you know, one of the things we've really emphasized throughout the pandemic is, you know, like in the past, you'd come to work or you'd come to school, even if you had the sniffles or something like that, and you'd be the hero, right? And, and now it's like, don't you dare, <laughs> you know, um, stay home, you know, take the class by uh, online kind of thing. And, and so we offer students since the September of 2020, you can come in person, you could access it remotely at the same time as the class was being taught, and then it was also recorded. So if you were unwell uh, or, or some other reason you couldn't take that class, then you could watch the recording afterwards. So we moved to that kind of a format, which we've continued into this year as well. Um, with the uh, with the changes that have happened in 2021, um, we no longer have to observe the physical distancing side of things in the classrooms. So we have larger classrooms, chapels, same thing. Like last in 2020, 2021, we could only have 50 students max in a chapel, um, which was really weird. I mean, it's so awesome now being mm -hmm. back together and having, you know, 200 or 250 students uh, together for chapels, you know, or sometimes even packed out at 300 in our chat. That's as many students as we can have in a chapel at a time. Um, but we have continued on with the with the full-on masking side of things and and uh you know, because of some of the, the requirements uh, that the government has put into place, there are some times where it's just students who have been vaccinated. So then that allows for without, you know, not having masks in that circumstance. But this year feels far more, you know if you want to use that term normal, uh, more like it was pre-pandemic, um, but there there are still some of the things that, uh, especially around the masking and, and unfortunately some of the stuff around vaccinations has been a little bit controversial too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, I relate with that. Even today, the emails flying around about another different aspect of things that yeah. we need to nail down, right? Like it seems like there's always something coming. Right, um, right. So you you mentioned the church uh, prior and uh, our our need to focus our eyes on Jesus, which I totally agree with. When you look at the church at large, not necessarily just our church, um, how do you think we've responded well, and how do you think we've responded poorly to the last? year and a half now. Yeah. Hmm. It, you know, it's in some cases, uh, I, I think churches have done a really good job of, of, of still being there for each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it'd be interesting even to hear from, from you. I know that there are people that I um that I was close to pre pre COVID that I'm now closer to, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, it, it's like some of those relationships have gone deeper and, mm -hmm. uh, and that's been awesome. You know, that, that's, that's been a real blessing in a lot of ways. And I think that's been the experience of, of certainly a lot of folks within churches um, and, and, and not just within churches. I think even within communities, as I mentioned too, um, 
you know, I found, and Teresa and I have found together in terms of connecting with some of our neighbors who aren't mm. people of faith, that we've, you know, you're, you're, in a way, we were forced to make smaller circles, right? And, and so you, you just find ways to connect. And, and lots of times we were doing stuff outdoors or, or whatever the case may be. And, and so I think that's one of the things that, uh, that churches have probably done a pretty good job of. Um, I think a lot of churches have learned how, like we did at the college in a way, um, how do we communicate and connect online? Mm -hmm. and, and this is the world in which we live now. Um, I can't say that I like all aspects of that. In fact, there are some aspects of the online world that I, I really dislike. I, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think it's even too strong to say that it's really of the evil one. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think if there's one thing that we really need to be working on as we go into the future is, is how does our interaction online connect with our following of Jesus? Like mm -hmm. what is discipleship? Not, not how do we disciple online, but how do we live as disciples of Jesus online? Mm -hmm. And how do we, because this, this is brand new. I mean, it's 30 years old, basically. I mean, I think of when we went to Botswana in 1992, I, I, we didn't have email, um, you know, so that's only, that's not even 30 years ago. Right. So um, I, I think there's a lot to be figured out on that side. I, I think churches are, are, finding new ways to reach uh, the unreached uh, through some of these ministry opportunities. And so those are good things. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the, the other aspects. I, I, yeah, I think there are more and more Christians and more and more churches that are coming to grasp the reality of, of our current cultural situation. And um you know, recognizing that we are in, as I said earlier, in this post-Christian world. And, and that's going to have to change the way that we do evangelism, the way that we do mission, uh, you know, how if you want to use the word apologetics, all of those kind of things. Um, so, I, you know, I think some churches have been much more, you know, flexible and willing to, to make those adjustments as the spirit leads. Uh, I think you also asked me what the church maybe hasn't done so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been struck by how much conflict that there has been in our churches. Um, yeah, it, it, it is definitely, uh, and I, I want to be really careful what I say, so I'm going to just, <laughs> which I'm not always so good at. So um, <laughs> I don't understand actually some of the, some of the things that have happened in terms mm. of the level of conflict. Um, I, I think we really need to look carefully uh, at what, there's reasons that that we that we need to stand firm, and there are positions that we need to hold firm to, uh, in terms of our faith. Uh, you know, in particular, I, I look at you know how do we understand God, and in particular Jesus and, and His, you know, the atonement and salvation. Um, you know, what, what are some of the, what's our understanding of the authority of Scripture, and and how it 
you know, do we stand above scripture or do we actually bow before the God of scripture? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so there are some things that uh, if you want to call them, like I I'm, I'll draw lines in the sand and say, I'm not, you know, this is, this is as far as we're going to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes we've drawn lines in the sand in the wrong places and mm -hmm. that's, that's happened during this pandemic. And I think that's really unfortunate. Um, and I, and I think it's really hurt the church's witness in, in mm -hmm. many places. Um, and I understand other, you know, some people are going to strongly disagree with me on that point, but mm -hmm. it is what it is. Um, so how, how do we learn to talk to one another when we do disagree? Um, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of someone that, uh, and this has to do with, with gender and sexuality issues that I profoundly differ and disagree with. And, uh, and I've known this person for a very lengthy period of time. And, and we've kind of come to the conclusion that maybe we're, we're kind of going in different directions, even in terms of our, uh, denominational affiliation. Um, but what I've, what we've communicated to each other is, is, you know, if you ever need help, I'll be there. You know, yeah. I, I'm not writing you off out of my life just because we have a fundamental disagreement and, and we would both agree. It's a really important disagreement, mm -hmm. but um, I, I think that's one of the things that's happened in the church and in society is like when we have these, these really, you know, important disagreements, it's like, I write you off, like you're mm -hmm. done, you know, almost in a sense, you're dead to me. And, and I'm, I'm like, really, really? That's what Jesus calls us to. I, I just don't believe that. Um, so I, I think we've, that's an aspect of discipleship in, in the church that we, we really need to press into stronger yet. And, and like I said, I, I don't think that necessary in some cases we may end up in different churches. Um, and, and I don't know, we might even question the faith of someone who disagrees with us so profoundly. But how do we continue to love even in the midst of that? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think mm -hmm. that's that's something we have we have to learn. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's such an important question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the communication part I think is huge because I, I think one of the most unfortunate things that's happening is people are retreating to their silos of opinion yeah. and feeling so misunderstood by other people, uh, either because they have been misunderstood, right? or because they're assuming what other people must think about them because of whatever cultural narratives are going on these days. Yeah. And it's just damaging the ability for people to be in community when they don't think exactly the same thing on some of these yeah. issues. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, and it's like you're saying on the communication side, that is so critical and, and we're going to have to learn as Christians, how do we communicate within this cultural milieu um, because I think what's happening, like you said, you know, people are retreating. It's like, oh, I can, I, I can say what I really think when I'm with those people over there. But when I'm over here, I just either I, I lash out, which has been really damaging for Christian witness, or I don't say anything. Like, I think right. there's a ton of Christians in the church who just aren't saying anything. Mm -hmm. And and that's not helpful either. Mm -hmm. And so we we've... Uh, what I've said at points, and especially as I'm working with students here at the college, is, is we have to find our voice, but we have to find the Jesus voice in the midst of this. And, and, um, 
and that's yeah we, we really we we need to study scripture we need to be listening to the spirit and 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 really um yeah i, I mean just a bit of an aside right now in my devotions i'm, I'm listening um to the gospels and i don't even know where this is from or whatever but it, it's i'm also watching it like there's a a movie depiction of Jesus life and it's follows, but the, the, um, the narration is the NIV. And, and so it's like just scripture being transposed upon this. And I'm actually finding this really helpful because I'm watching Jesus, how's Jesus inter and they do a really cool job of how he's interacting with the people and his facial expressions and, and just mm. thinking of that in line with also the words that are then being spoken. And I'm going, yeah, do I reflect Jesus? You know, mm. like I, that's, that's just increasingly that's become important to me, you know, wouldn't it be awesome? Like on your, that epitaph on your gravestone, you know, Holly looked like Jesus, you mm -hmm. know, Craig, Brian that would be amazing. Looked like Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't that be an awesome epitaph? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling you've yeah. received. Right. And yeah, I think yeah. at times we, I, in the last year and a half have not lived up to that. Like I should have, and like we mm -hmm. should have. And mm -hmm. so there's growth well, for us I, all. I, I mean, I know, you know, and I, in some ways, that's why it's been so valuable getting back to the leadership side, having a really strong leadership team, yeah. um, because there, there certainly have been points when I know I've, I've walked into one of my colleagues office and no, I haven't looked like Jesus, um, but they've let me vent. And then at the end of it, I've said, okay, that's out of my system now. Let's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, thanks for listening. And now, uh, resume <laughs> right kind of yeah totally totally yeah. Mm -hmm. so when you think about kind of the general mission of the church today what gets you excited and what makes you concerned um what gets me excited is is i do think um and i know some people will, will critique younger generations around this one but I, I i think when i'm you know i'm thinking of our students on on campus here um in a way they have a more holistic understanding of god's mission and, and of what salvation is to include um you know so for example right now like tonight actually i'm teaching a, a course on global theology so we're looking at the church in uh, in latin america and tonight we're in africa so it's gonna be awesome um but you know and then we go to asia and and all this stuff and and we're looking at what what can the church teach us in other parts of the world about mm. how do we live in as christians um you know again like some of the social justice issues which are they are challenging for sure for us to work with when it comes to race relations uh when it comes to gender and sexuality uh all the all of these kind of pieces um but i i i guess what excites me is i'm going these these young people are not afraid to to go okay what is what does scripture say about this what is god calling us to in this circumstance um 
you know, like I say, it is challenging because so many of their scripts or their narratives that they're hearing, whether it's been through school or the media or entertainment, all of these kind of things are in many cases anti-biblical or, but they're not always, you know, and I, and I think they're raising some really good questions. Mm. Um, you know, like I, again, I, I look at this, we've had the, this discovery although it wasn't really a discovery we i mean we've known about it for a while of these unmarked graves at mm-hmm. uh at, at uh, indigenous ed- uh, residential schools and i mean that's a horrible look for the church yeah. and and we can all say oh you know as mennonites in particular as mennonite brethren go oh well, we didn't have anything to do with that we're all complicit in different ways we we've all yeah. benefited in different ways and this is it's a horrible look for the church there's no two ways about it so you can run a hide or you can say no no we had to have anything to do with that or you can say let's have a conversation hmm Mm-hmm. let's let's just go and let's call it for what it was uh this was wrong it, it was it was an evil system yeah. um and there's no defending it um so now what are we going to do differently how do we how do we approach this and and i think that's where there's room right now in a way to have conversations in the church about all kinds of things and and we've got to be um i would argue anyways less defensive and more biblical. So let's get into the word. Let's really study what it is that God's calling us towards in this moment. And how, how should we be treating one another and reacting to one another? And that doesn't mean anything goes. Not far from it. Not if we're really going to get yeah. into the word. Yeah. It, um, it, it may call us to make some really radical challenge, changes in our lives. And, and it's obviously not just in, in these areas around race or sexuality. It's also around greed and materialism and economics and, and, uh, and homelessness. And, and like there's so many different issues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I go back to when I was 20, we weren't talking about this stuff. Mm. You know, I, I just won that conversation, whereas now these are really live conversations. So that excites me. Um, it concerns me, too, because <laughs> mm. I, I definitely see a lot of folks who um, I, I would argue that they're in many ways taking their cues from culture and, and not um, putting themselves in the word. Um, I, it's probably about half a dozen years ago already that uh, I saw a very short video by a guy named Alan Hirsch put together. And in it, he made the argument that our culture is far better at discipleship than our churches. Mm. And Mm. I remember watching it at the time and almost being a little bit angry because I was like, discipleship, that's our word. We're Christians. You can't can't refer to that in culture. No, discipleship is mentorship. It's about teaching and guiding and directing. And if you think about... You know, Holly, you got, you're working with youth and young adults. I mean, how many hours a week do you get with them? Like, oh, I don't know, around like 10 or something like that, maybe. Okay. I, I, I'm a bit, you know, with, with each one, you might get 10. Yeah. That, that's actually quite a few, probably. Yeah. How many hours are they spending watching TV? How many hours are they in school? How many hours are they in social media? It's gotta, I'm guessing it's at least three times that many. Oh yeah. Um, if not 10, <laughs> yeah. know, almost right. Yeah. And, and I'm going, that's tough to counter. Mm-hmm. Oh right? yeah. 
um, because they're getting so much more of, of this cultural, in many cases, anti-God anti and certainly anti-church um, kind of messaging that's going on. So that, that's, that puts us behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, um, and, and partially what concerns me in that is I look at my generation. So, you know, I'm going to be 60 in six months here. Um, and unfortunately, I, I, I see a lot of people that, um, that I grew up with who were involved in the church, maybe still are kind of peripherally involved in the church, um, would probably still call themselves Christian, but they're not particularly engaged. Hmm. And um, the likelihood that they're going to be discipling their kids and their grandkids is not high. Hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that, that Teresa and I have committed to, we have our grandkids over for overnighters often. And, uh, and their parents are, are trying to raise them to follow Jesus and, and know God's word. But we think it's our role as grandparents to do everything we can to reinforce that. So when they come over, I mean, we're going to, we're going to read Bible stories together. We're going to sing songs together. We're going to talk about, like, I, I mean, I'll give you one example here. Uh, I love rocks. So one of the things I do is I collect rocks and I cut them and I polish them and everything else, which is a great hobby to do with little kids. Cause it's like treasure hunting and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and there've been occasions when I've had, my my grandkids over and we've been cutting rocks open and i've opened this rock up and it's and it's absolutely gorgeous inside it's phenomenal even though the exterior of the rock doesn't look like anything you'd say this is a piece of mud kind of garbage whatever and i go look at this rock we are the very first human beings who've ever seen inside this rock mm -hmm. look at how amazingly beautiful this is can you imagine the creative genius and power and, and amazingness of god mm. and you think that he's done this like and, and they can't you know they count up to a thousand maybe or something like this but thousands upon millions upon billions upon trillions of times and and so many of those rocks will never be open and god do what and why did god do it just because mm. he could it's kind of wanted to mm. like, doesn't that kind of blow you away? Mm. And, and I want, you know, just to kind of enter into worship with my, with my grandkids in the midst of that. And, and I go, my generation needs to grab a hold of this incredible opportunity that we have to influence uh, not even just, our, I mean, our kids are kind of done already. Like they're formed. They're going to be who they are. Um, but we, we actually do have a chance to really affect our, our grandkids. And I watch my parents uh, as they interact with their great grandkids. Um, we, ne we need to do this because there, there are so many influences going on right now mm. in, you know, I, I look at your, Holly, you know, your, your age and younger. Um, it, it, they're, they're not being influenced by Jesus in very many places. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and we need to find every opportunity we have and make the most of it to, to influence them. Absolutely. There's my that's, sermon here. That's good, Brian. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I can see that like as, as a, as a guy with young kids myself and my parents investing in that is makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And, what a blessing. 
Yeah. A huge blessing. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, you count up all the influences, right? Like Sunday school teachers and, you know, you know, for older kids, youth leaders and, and Holly and like every one of those is a treasure when you're a parent Holy. and you know that your kids are not getting uh, the, uh, you know, they're at public school and like, they're, they're not getting Jesus in every scenario they're in. That's it. And so you value every one of them. Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. hundred percent. Uh, Brian, you've been very generous with your time. I just got one more question for you. I want to know what it means to you personally to be the president of Columbia Bible college. Yeah, it's funny you even ask that question. Cause I don't even know if I really often think about I'm president of Columbia Bible college. Um, I mean, it is funny. We got, we, I got to tell you one quick story. Yeah. So we, we've got this guy named David on our basketball team now here at the college who comes from Rwanda uh, originally, although he's lived in Canada for a number of years and he's phenomenal. Like he might be the best basketball player we've ever had at CBC mm. because he's got this African kind of background where there's great respect for people who are older and, and in positions of authority kind of thing. You know, right away, it was like, you know, Dr. Bourne and all this kind of stuff. And and I had to joke with him. I said, no, that's the reverend doctor to you kind of thing. And and uh, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, people around here, they just call me Brian. And that's what I want to be known as. Um, I, I mean, it is a great responsibility. I will say that. And um, I'm coming up on, on nine years in this role. And you start to look at and say, you know, has has my influence been good? Have I actually been obedient to God to make the decisions that need to be made? Um, you know, I've, I've often said to folks here at the college, the two most important things I do are pray and hire. Mm. Um, and I pray recognizing that if anything good is going to happen, it's because God is in it. Right. I mean, we we learn John chapter 15, right. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, and secondly, I hire because I think if we get the right people, we're going to go in the right direction, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so that that is, you know, pretty significant as I as I look at those kind of aspects. Uh, you know, as I'm getting a little older, and 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 you know, it's a little bit unsure as to how many more years I'm going to be in this role. I, I am really quite conscious of what am I, what am I leaving behind? Mm. And, uh, you know, what does the future look like for the college? And uh, so those are, you know, those are important conversations that I have with our board, with some of our, you know, kind of key supporters. And, and, I, and I, don't, I want to be hesitant to say that key supporter consultant. Well, those are people that give a lot of money and we don't talk to the people that don't give us money. No, I, I, when I say key supporters, I mean people, some of whom do give a lot of money, but some of them also are key prayer you know prayer warriors for mm -hmm. the college and mm -hmm. and what needs to happen for the future so um it's a privilege to serve in this role uh you know sometimes during the pandemic when i've been really tired i have felt like hmm, might not be so bad to <laughs> wrap it up kind yeah. of thing you know <laughs> um but i think especially in the last few months i felt more and more again that renewal of a call to um I have an opportunity and a privilege to help shape um, individuals' lives, uh, but certainly leaders uh, for our churches and, and organizations in the future. Um, and and I, I, I need to make the most of that. 
And mm. so, um, yeah, I mean, if I would say one last thing, you know, for folks that are, are listening here, whatever, uh, we really do value your prayers. And, mm. and like I said earlier, um, you know, when I went to Bible college back in, in 1980, um, it was just kind of expected if you came from a Christian family. You know, if you if you were involved in the church, that was you were just going to go and you were going to do a year or two. That just is not the case today. And um, in fact, I would say there's there's a good number of students here at Columbia whose parents really question the decision for them to come here and they're not mm. getting any financial support to be here. Uh, you know, if anything, they've been discouraged and certainly if it's not parents, it, it might be other family members or friends, um, other influential people in their lives. And, uh, so I, I just, you know, ask that you would be praying for, for us as our faculty and staff and, and for our students, um, you know, it, and there's a lot that they bring to college at times. And, and unfortunately, sometimes it's family brokenness. Sometimes it's, you know, mental health and, and, and anxiety, depression, all kinds of these issues, along with um, many questions about their faith and, and trying to figure out what does it mean to, or even if they want to follow Jesus into the future. Um, so that's... Um, it's a tricky time in some ways, but it, it's it's a time for, you know, I, I think, I, I'd say there was a guy in, in South Africa who was one of my heroes. His name was David Bosch, and, and he talked about in, in the 90s that already then um, that the church in some ways had lost its nerve. Mm. in that we were we were almost afraid to stand up. And he says, no, you know, we need to be engaged in mission in bold humility. Mm. And, uh, and I really like that expression, bold humility. We're bold because it's Jesus, right? Yeah. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And, and their only boldness that we, we can have is because God's at work. But that's the exact same reason why we're humble. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not us, right? It's God at work in and through us. So that's, um, that's as I think about, I serve in this role. I, I hope I, I can serve with a bold humility in Jesus. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's great, Brian. You are serving an important role, uh, not just in our denomination, but in the kingdom. And uh, I appreciate appreciate what you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time today to share a bit of insight with us and uh, to connect with us here. So thanks for your time. Mm -hmm. well, thanks so much. Great to connect with you guys. And I actually... Uh... I need to come visit you one of these days soon. Yeah. Yes. I'll show up here one of these Sundays soon. Mm. So. That sounds great. And uh, we should have you come and preach here one day is what we should yeah. do. That would be a gift to us as well. So, but mm. um, thanks, Brian. And uh, thanks for listening to our listeners. And Holly and I will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Blessings. Blessings.